welcome back to part two of Translates, this episode on TCKs, Third Culture Kids. And this is the first one for us, Richard. First one with part two? With part two. Yeah. So guys, if you haven't heard part one, go back. Yes. Part one. You need on to go back. Translate. This. Yep. With. Mm, Richard. I was say Melissa. <laughs> you can say you're that. You're Melissa. And, and you're Richard. Yeah. Don't listen. Well. It can be confusing sometimes. Yeah. It can be sometimes. All this identity talk, you just yep. forget who we are. I know. We left off with on episode one, or, or part one of Translates This, dive into TCKs on, we were just getting into traits of third culture kids and all of the people under the umbrella. We established already the fact that both Richard and I come from TCKs. We are TCKs and we've married TCKs and our parents may have also married TCKs and our children, my children, both had married TCKs. So and I don't know, are you, have your kids dated TCKs? Ooh, good, good question. Yeah, yeah. I think they're, I, they're so different, but um, they're attracted to people who are not mainstream. Right. Or just say that. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, but I also want to say we covered some some of the realities that a lot of the TCKs represent many subcategories. So right. it's not we right. like just have one. A lot of us, you know. So there's there's many. And yeah. and like I said in part one was we need to remember that TCKs do not have to fit a mold. Mm -hmm. And they actually no person needs to fit a mold and to remain, you know, to remind our, all of ourselves that we can be simultaneously more than one at a time mm -hmm. and that um, there's no shame in that because uh, I know personal from a personal experience, mm -hmm. I was criticized often by something you brought up earlier, yeah. which is something I want to talk about next in okay. the in the personality traits. And then I was constantly criticized by and it, it, ironic. OK, so let me break this down. Sure. So I was I was criticized by at the time my best friend in high school who couldn't stand the fact that I would sometimes change personality or act maybe differently around different people, mm -hmm. which she didn't understand and I didn't understand, yeah. is that one of the traits of being a TCK is the natural ability to act like a chameleon. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that in chameleon. part one. Yeah, it's a great, I mean, if I had to be an animal, that would be it. Right, mm -hmm. me as well. And then act like a chameleon because they have grown up knowing that one changes their behavior, language, or customs mm -hmm. to suit the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So me. so my natural reaction to other people, mm -hmm. I definitely fit the chameleon mm -hmm. mold. And I, I think you do as well. Yeah. And because you mentioned before that you're not a very um, extroverted person. You're you know more introverted, mm -hmm. self-reflective. But when you're around people, mm -hmm. no one would ever know this. Right. And right. and then the same thing, like with my my husband, your best mm -hmm. friend, the same thing. Mm -hmm. He's he's tends to be more like you, more reserved and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But when he's around people, he's mm -hmm. Mr. Social Butterfly and yeah. no one would know. Right. Because right. he's a, he's doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I am I am a, a weird mixture where I am by all means and purposes on the exterior extroverted, mm -hmm. yeah. but I'm actually a shyer mm -hmm. more introverted person mm -hmm. on a deeper level yeah. i mean 
I definitely need my downtime. Yes. And I go back and forth. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't think I'm either extroverted nor am I introverted, but I definitely flip flop between the two mm-hmm. because I, I, I understand what it feels like to be on. Mm-hmm. And then I need that off time. Yeah. And so that I think is also part of my TCK okay. that coming in front of people, mm-hmm. that persona of what are you like? How can I relate to you? How do mm-hmm. I figure you out? It's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting mm-hmm. trying to maneuver social norms and yeah. and think to myself, what am I going to say or how am I going to stand or how am I going to act or how am I going to dress or how am I going to speak not to stick out or not to offend? Well, I have a question Yeah. about this. I'm not going to deviate. That's fine. Um, you know, you can, can deviate. No, but this, this is definitely on yeah. this topic. As a question, because I can hear some people listening to this saying, yeah. well, I'm not TCK, but I have to do that also. I, I, I don't like to speak, but I have to speak. It could okay. be job interviews. It could be in your job you didn't want, but you do it. And so people have, a, I could see anyone having a similar experience where they don't want to. Okay. How, do you, how do you differentiate between someone yeah. who's mainstream um, and someone who's not and how that experience right shows. so so uh research says that no one sat down with tck's to teach us this and that it was learning by osmosis okay okay mm-hmm. so there's one differentiation mm-hmm. because people that are say in business entertainment or whatever perhaps uh some of them not all of them because there's mm-hmm. a, actually there's a lot of tck's in the entertainment sure. world yeah. um and i'm going to get to that too but career okay. choices in part three uh, okay okay um but part Two here, uh, focusing on traits of TCKs, we had to learn it through trial and error. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference yeah. where other people might have gone to college and learned how to do a, a, an elevator speech. Right. right? For those of right. you who don't know, an elevator speech is it's a sales pitch that mm-hmm. you only would have the same amount of time if you were writing down an elevator with somebody. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, 11 seconds or whatever it mm-hmm. is, you've got to you know, give your best pitch to the person. So they call it elevator speeches. Mm -hmm. And we have learned how to do that on our own. We didn't take classes on how to make yourself a better communicator, how to make yourself this, that, or the other thing. We Mm -hmm. just had to sink or swim, right? And as a result, TCKs grew up more culturally sensitive, more aware, more interested in people from other countries and cultures, Mm -hmm. and generally with cross-culturally skills Mm -hmm. that many other adults never acquire because they've not traveled overseas until they were adults. And there is also another difference. Yeah, Many TCKs, like ourselves, mm-hmm. did international travel or interstate, mm-hmm. like ex- out of state in the Mar- or, in or U.S. Cultural or, traveling. or cultural traveling mm-hmm. as children in their formative years. Mm-hmm. There's under the umbrella, again, remember, there can be what's called uh, domestic mm-hmm. TCKs. Yeah. I think Spain would be a good example of mm-hmm. this. So for people to understand this, in Spain, there's five languages, mm-hmm. right? We've, we've talked about that in another episode, and I cannot remember which one it was, but mm-hmm. I'm sure it was one of the good ones. Look it up, guys. <laughs> the whole list of uh, episodes coming out. Yeah, yeah. And what we discussed was the fact that, you know, we have Gallego, we have Asturiano, we have uh, Usquera, which is from Basque Country, we have um, Castellano and Catalan, right? And so, and then there's arguments that there's a Valencian and then there's an Andalusian mm-hmm. uh, dialect. Mm-hmm. But the the thing that 
you have somebody from the south of Spain move to Catalan or the north of Spain, there are massive cultural differences. Mm -hmm. And remember, this the whole country of Spain is just a little bit smaller than California. Right. So in terms of population, if you think about what that's like, that's a, a, a really telling situation where with even within your own country, if you move from one area to the next, both France and Spain have movies mm -hmm. that discuss these cultural differences. There's and we've we have them mm -hmm. in, in the US too. But mm -hmm. the one here that is the most popular, I think it was one of the most popular films ever by Spain, mm. wow. is Eight Basque Last Names. Mm -hmm. And it was about a guy from Andalusia from the south who fell in love with a girl from the north who had come down to visit on vacation and she he follows her back up and he makes up the fact that he's Basque because he wants desperately to date this girl. Mm. And the father's asking, what are your last names? Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have at least eight Basque last mm -hmm. names to, to date my daughter mm -hmm. uh, because we know then you really are Basque. That's generations yeah. of, of Basque. And what's our famous in the U.S. film that is uh, cross-cultural love, right? It just came out as a remake. Uh, go ahead, because I actually have a few in my uh, head. Oh, okay. Well, West Side Story. Yeah, well, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, West Side Story, the story of immigrants, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly that. Yeah. But I was also thinking more recently, mm -hmm. there is uh, Sweet Home Alabama, oh, with, where uh, with Reese Witherspoon, Reese Witherspoon? Okay. and yeah, and yeah. she leaves the South right. she, uh, to go North yeah. and, and reinvents herself mm -hmm. as a, in New York mm -hmm. and then goes That's back, yeah. right? And, and yeah. falls back in love with mm -hmm. the Southern right. guy that she left. Um, there's just many yeah. movies like that. Yeah. The, the one in France, there's one called the Shti mm -hmm. because there's a language mm -hmm. in northern France mm -hmm. uh, that is, uh, it's not quite Pig Latin, mm -hmm. but it's, if you were to equate it to something, mm -hmm. it's a, a dialect that they mm -hmm. speak of French that is not French, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a language from there. Mm -hmm. And I want to honor anyone who speaks Shti. Uh, but mm. instead of saying merci, they mm. say simel. Wow. So they do things that, wow. that's, and nobody can really, a lot of people, and you're not from there, you can't yeah. understand it. And we used to work with a girl from Lyon who married a guy from there. And she's like, mm. yeah, I don't understand what he's saying. Mm. And that was uh, another movie, the Shti, where famous, famous Danny, and I can't think of his last name, producer, I remember, the, uh, if she can look up the, the French actor. He's actually, this is the coolest part, mm -hmm. he's also TCK. He's Algerian French. Oh, wow. And yeah. he's one of the most famous recent mm -hmm. uh, comedians mm -hmm. out in French cinema. Mm -hmm. uh, Danny, and I can't remember his last name right now, mm -hmm. but he's hilarious as heck. And he stars in this where yeah. he's a he's a shti, person mm -hmm. from the shti, mm -hmm. and a postman from uh, Nice mm -hmm. has to, he's getting relocated to the north. Yeah. And he has to go live there. And they're so exaggerated where down in the south of France, you know, it's everybody, you know, is on the beach mm -hmm. and it's that whole mm -hmm. community all year long. Mm -hmm. So they send him to the north dressed in parkas because mm -hmm. they're afraid he's just going to like freeze to death, yeah. like as if he was going to south um, Antarctica or, or, or going to, you know, the South Pole or the North mm -hmm. Pole. And it was it's quite hilarious. Mm. And so uh, basically... Okay, so, oh, yeah. Lauren found it for me. Okay, it's Danny Boone, who mm -hmm. stars and directs mm -hmm. many of these comedies, and he's hilarious, okay. uh, internationally hilarious, yeah. and relative to this conversation. There are positive things that people understand about these changes. Well, you brought up France and totally right. um, helped uh, remind me of, the, of right now in, our, in the world of 
soccer in uh, European yes. soccer we have the two biggest stars right now Mbappe uh-huh. who's uh French nationality but from Ghana right. I believe yep. Yep. and he's, he's so there's third culture and then Benzema Benzema who's in Madrid lives in Spain from, from France from with, Lyon with Algerian with parents. Algerian parents I have a little song about mm-hmm. Mbappe okay I'm gonna digress Go for it. so you know the uh Hanson brothers yes and they sang M Mbappe, Mbappe, whatever. So I, whenever Mbappe is mm-hmm. on, I'm like, Mbappe, Mbappe, Mbappe. <laughs> just sing <laughs> the mm-hmm. Mbappe song cute. to his name. Yeah. Because I like it. It's a fun song. That, you should teach that to the fan base. You know, I'm surprised somebody hasn't sang that already. <laughs> but maybe it's too late. Who yeah. knows? So another very common thing about yes. TCKs and the reactions, there are two very common reactions to moving. They tend to be good at languages mm-hmm. because of the moves. Yeah. What do you do for a living, Richard? Teach languages. What do, what do I do for a living? Well, a lot of things. But yeah, basic, based on languages, everything based exactly. on Exactly. And yeah. I taught languages and culture training. Interesting and- that you brought that up too because my aunt, who is you know part of that whole experience that I talked about, right. um, she's, she started in languages and is still based in languages, and but in different, she's kind of expanded to diversity. Now yeah. she's retired. Shout out to my aunt, Aunt Yay. Sharon. Love you. But she's she's amazing. And, you know, I, she, I learned a lot from her, but she followed similar footsteps, you know, with language. She speaks a lot of language. She speaks Russian, Spanish, others. Right. I don't know yet. Right. Yeah. And anyway. in our language industry, mm-hmm. now that we're talking about this, in our and we'll talk a lot about this with career choices, but in our language industry, just to briefly discuss this now, a lot of us are children of owners. We call ourselves COOs mm-hmm. because our parents, usually an immigrant, started a language company that we work for. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in our industry, you know, with Barbier International, started by by my mom mm-hmm. and with me by her side. And uh, you know, now I'm second generation, and mm-hmm. Lauren's going to be third generation. My husband and I now run it, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing of it is, is that uh, it's almost it's almost a reverse prejudice in mm-hmm. our industry. If you don't come from an immigrant background and you're running a company, most of us do. Yeah. But if you don't, there's mm-hmm. skepticism. Hmm. Because of why the lack are, of experience. Yeah, because of the lack of life experience mm-hmm. or language experience. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, how come you're doing this? Mm-hmm. Oh, you must have come from the tech industry. Mm-hmm. And no, and yeah, it is interesting because just because you're a TCK mm-hmm. and we tend to be good at language, it doesn't mean that you learn another language. I right. didn't mean to make, I want everyone to understand that. Yeah. You could be a diplomat's kid, military brat, whatever. Mm-hmm. My brother-in-law was born in Japan, didn't speak a word of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could live all over the world and never learn another language mm-hmm. other than your own mm-hmm. passport country right. language because right. that's what you're exposed to the most mm-hmm. because you may not have enough time in country mm-hmm. to learn the language. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that also, in my personal experience, when I was 12 years old, mm-hmm. well, turning 12, excuse me, when I was 11, we moved to Guatemala and I was there a year. Mm-hmm. And that's when I actually learned the majority of my Spanish right. base. Mm-hmm. Then we come back and continue to study Spanish in right. the United States. But had I not done that, mm-hmm. I would have. We And we, again, we talked about this, uh, the mixed race identity issue. Uh, or episode because we said, look, our mothers wanted us to be American, so they didn't emphasize the teaching of their yeah. native language. Yeah. They only emphasized the teaching of their 
uh, you know, target language, their second yes. language and or third language in some, you know, TCK's experiences. That's so why, yeah, I don't speak Japanese and no. I wasn't taught it. But also looking now because it's such a we're so focused on this topic, I think about yeah. why I pursued language in a profession and a lot of it was luck. A lot of it was just opportunity, mm -hmm. but like I continued with it because now I'm thinking more about it and reflecting mm -hmm. that it was my key into other cultures. It was, mm -hmm. my, it was my permission to mm -hmm. enter and culturally surf, culturally travel, mm -hmm. to step in, step out, because I that fear, that knowledge and the lack of identity was always chasing me, saying... Mm -hmm. You're never going to fully belong here. Oh my gosh. So, I think you're reading my notes. Wow. Wow. I really? swear you're reading yeah, my notes. Because that the language was the key to just say, okay, I'm ready to jump in another place. Yeah. You know. And that that's where I think is the biggest difference with the TCKs and people who have to force themselves into a different personality. Like if you're an introvert to be an extrovert. Right. Um you always have your cultural base. You mm -hmm. always have your, your community, your roots. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, there was always the fear of like, if you, mm -hmm. uh, you'll find yourself nowhere. Yep. I, I, a hundred percent. I think we have a very shared TCK persona mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I, I relate to you in so many ways that way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, all of our, our family and friends see it Yeah, because they know that we, we talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because it's it's how we cope. It's how yeah. we learn to cope. It's what kept us going as humans and didn't allow us to just throw the towel in and be like, I'm done with this. I don't care. Here's something even more like maybe this conversation is not as um, spoken because I think of our generation. Yeah, we're still dealing. We're still like in denial. We're still right. just navigating. Um, a lot of us has found our base, so we don't need to, we don't deal with it anymore. Right, right. But we don't still understand the effect on our, on our lives, how it affects us, you know? Well, okay. So we're, we're good at languages, right? Mm -hmm. And it, because we're exposed at early ages. So mm -hmm. you still were exposed to Japanese at an early age and you still probably, if, because mm -hmm. what we know about language mm -hmm. learning, if mm -hmm. you're exposed at a young age, mm -hmm. it's in there. Mm -hmm. And if you went to Japan and spent some time there, mm -hmm. you would probably be able to work with that base that's in your head and maybe also mm -hmm. have that connection because it often the speaking of several mm -hmm. languages plays a key role in our career choices mm -hmm. as TCKs. But the other thing too, they said, if one moved around a lot as a child, a mobile lifestyle may become the habit of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. many places have we lived? Right. And, and before we answer that, it's that, yeah. you know, people tend to repeat their upbringing mm -hmm. and may have a migratory instinct as adults, which started during their childhood. Mm -hmm. And this could be a positive factor because it represents a confidence and ability to cope with change. Yeah. However, it can also mean an inability to make long term commitment mm -hmm. to anyone or anything. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. Sure. Sure. It's like, oh, my gosh. So I one day had to sit down. And count how many times I've moved. <laughs> I know. And it took a while. It took a while. And I and I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but it was over 25 times. Yeah. I moved to change, we'll say changed addresses. Yeah. And that's either within the within the U.S. or outside the U.S. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've told, maybe said before another episode, I've lived in seven countries total. Mm -hmm. Visited more than 35. 
And that is just my journey. Right. That's my journey. And another thing, as people know, that I finally was able, thanks to uh, my company, I was able to settle in Spain, which was the place where I feel most comfortable and in a city, Madrid, where I'm just excited to wake up and walk outside my door every single day. And so the first time in my life where I feel settled. Yeah. And things are changing for me. Like mm-hmm. things are happening to me as a, this moment that I've never felt before because I feel settled. I right. feel like I don't need to move anymore, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I can't, people ask why Spain? That's another story. Yeah. Um, I actually, I'll save it for another episode. Okay, yeah, okay. We can, we can do that. But you also mentioned something about belonging. And this yeah. is, and most importantly, TCKs face a complicated relationship with a sense of belonging because it's a key issue to any human. And where do TCKs feel that they belong? Where do they come from? Where is home? These are some of the hardest questions TCKs face and mm-hmm. have to answer and sometimes end up feeling at home everywhere and have the ability to move and settle in anywhere mm-hmm. or else home is nowhere, yeah. always somewhere else, or constantly tempted to move and search for that elusive yeah. somewhere that will be home so they can settle down. And I want to talk about that yeah. because our family has accused us of being uh, nomadic. Yeah. Uh, in a negative way mm-hmm. and uh in particular actually both sides of my family mm-hmm. uh, have accused us of this and gosh you guys move a lot mm-hmm. interestingly though my my brother-in-law and his wife moved for work mm-hmm. and the family gave them a pass mm-hmm. and i think really why mm-hmm. because i think they always thought that those they were going to come back yeah which they ended up leaving Oregon. Everybody had moved to Oregon on my husband's side. Mm-hmm. And then they went back to California. So they, along with my son, are in California. Okay. Um, and they're with my sister-in-law's family right. there mm-hmm. because she needs to be with her family, take care of her, her parents and her um, and everything they've got going on there. So their son, though, mm-hmm. was raised in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And he just wants to get back to Oregon. He's okay. a young adult now. And uh-huh. he's just... he's trying to make that happen and find work okay. so he can be there permanently. Uh-huh. So they had to move a lot because they were doing uh, a type of job that required them to go from site to site mm-hmm. to do implementation of some uh, high-tech mm-hmm. work. So they had to. They okay. had, There was no choice for them. Right. So I think it gave them all a pass. But because yeah. we voluntarily yeah. moved, we're criticized. we were criticized. Yeah. Because why would you leave? Why do you want to go? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's no different. It's no different because we we went and worked somewhere mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. So why is it different? You know, and why is it perceived differently? And I, no criticism to our family, but I think it's normal, at least in the United States, and I think most countries, it's normal for people who don't move, yeah, who are those rooted people, yeah. Yeah. to look at those who choose to lo- mm-hmm. move mm-hmm. as weird or odd. Or it's a threat. Or it's a threat. It's a threat. And why is it threatening to them? There's no, it, it's the, it's not like we're saying you're not good enough. You know, mm-hmm. because it, because I I kind of wonder, are they thinking we don't love you? You're not good no. enough. We're gonna leave you. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. what what yeah. is it about it? It makes them so uncomfortable that we leave. Well, I'll take I'll take a shot at it. Okay. Because I have family right now that are not talking to me because <laughs> I've moved. Great. Yeah. 
Um, but it's a threat because not particularly you leaving, but because other people can leave that that they need around them, mm. and that's a threat. So if one leaves, other can others can leave. Yeah, and um, it threatens their rooted community that we never felt and we right. never have. Right. So we don't understand their 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 frustration, mm-hmm. their fears, mm-hmm. and we think it of like an exciting opportunity. And on top of that, I was going to mention that when we look at our u.s culture mm-hmm. how independent we are how we're able to just pick up and move and follow our dreams move to hollywood move to new york and we all support that right 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 because it's dreams it's work it's income it's capitalism mm-hmm. but if it's uprooting your culture it's almost like that's that draws the line yeah and so how do how much do we talk about that as in our in our U.S. culture, how much do we understand that it, our image is so independent and follow your dreams, mm-hmm. yet we don't accept certain reasons? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it almost seems contrary mm-hmm. to the entire foundation of mm-hmm. the United States, where mm-hmm. everyone's coming in as an immigrant to uh-huh. pursue dreams. So why can't they do it uh-huh. globally? Another thing that I want to go back to here about repeating the migratory uh, patterns of childhood. Mm-hmm. I, as an adult, wanted to settle mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. where I wouldn't do that to my children. And I tried so hard. We moved when they were young mm-hmm. to Seattle, mm-hmm. but we finished our degrees there. We were there for four years. And mm-hmm. that during that time, our family moved to Portland, Oregon mm-hmm. from Southern California. And then we moved there. Mm-hmm. We lived there for three years, mm-hmm. and then that's when I was working, founding Barbier, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a teacher, and mm-hmm. I, I just received that calling. Mm-hmm. And then the only way for me to do it at that time, because I had a bachelor's degree, but I didn't have that fifth year right. that you need for teaching, mm-hmm. there was no real easy way to do it in Oregon. And at that time in Oregon, to be a teacher, you had to have your master's. Right. They removed that mm-hmm. after I left. Yeah. But yeah. during that time, that's how I had, had to shortage. be. It yeah. was, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I moved to North Carolina, mm-hmm. basically in a Teach for America type program called NC Teach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and Michael, mm-hmm. my husband, he also joined in, mm-hmm. joined forces uh, and became a teacher as well. Mm-hmm. And we went there. Uh, he had a different job and left that job and became a teacher. I had that job to become a teacher. I had a job in North Carolina and I loved teaching. Mm-hmm. I loved every moment of being a teacher in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So did Michael. We had a, a great experience and we thought that was it. We weren't ever moving again. And we came to the point where our son was going to start high school mm-hmm. and the economic opportunities where we lived, were, it was a very rural community. Mm-hmm. And this is the curse of being a TCK mm-hmm. because we knew that there were better economic and educational opportunities outside of where we were living. Mm-hmm. And we knew what was in front of us and what limitations were there. Yeah, We didn't want to do that and, sh- and make our kids have that experience. Right. So we decided to move back to family in Portland. Yeah. So we left before he started high school. Mm-hmm. It was great for our son yeah. because he went graduated middle school, went right into high school. Mm-hmm. Plus also he and I were, and we talked about this, the mixed race identity again, it's very tied into this. Yeah. He and I were very much othered yeah. in the South. 
-hmm. he was bullied mm -hmm. uh, for his look mm -hmm. of ethnicity. Mm -hmm. And uh, my husband and my daughter were not. But what, what didn't factor in yeah. was that when we moved back, mm -hmm. it wasn't what was great for my daughter. It wasn't what was best for her. She was thriving in that community. Wow. Interesting. Because she was fully accepted. Yeah. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. and we're thinking, okay, from an edge, we, we just don't want them <laughs> literally in our heads. Yeah. We don't want them getting drunk on Saturday night, tipping cows out in the pond. Yeah. Like, we, we, we you know, and <laughs> you hear, about I, it. I, you the hear teenagers are doing it. Exactly. And we're like, we want to give them something else because I had taught high school the last few years we were there and there were children there. Because believe me, people, high school students might look like adults, but they're children. Mm -hmm. And those children had never been on public transportation, mm -hmm. had never been out of their county. Mm -hmm. And that scared the crap out of me. Yeah. And I didn't want my child. And this is my own prejudice. Mm -hmm. And I say this now because I think I'm just self-realizing this. Mm -hmm. I didn't want my children to marry into the rooted culture that would limit them. Because yeah. I saw it as a limitation. Yeah. And that's my own prejudice probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I wanted them to be around a more diverse, open, accepting community. Yeah. And that's where we we also came back. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so there are some curses to being a TCK because there's some curses to you seeing the other side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And seeing what's good and what's bad. You and you don't idolize people think, oh, we're always like looking for Shangri-La and Mecca and whatever. Mm -hmm. But you don't idolize where you move to. Mm -hmm always as a tck mm -hmm. it's right in freaking in front of your face mm -hmm. and you know mm -hmm. limitations because you've been somewhere else mm -hmm. so um it's it can be very very difficult and so not all tck's are chameleons mm -hmm. right and so this is where i'm getting with Great this yeah. there are two other personality okay. personas that can be a tck as as a major persona and one's called a screamer those right. are the ones that try to identify themselves as different. And mm -hmm. I'm going to use my husband as his example. Okay. Because when they moved to Texas, right. he spiked his hair mm -hmm. and all of a sudden became this alternative kid. Mm -hmm. Which he always was. Yeah. But he was before very, very mainstream. Mm -hmm. And then he gets there mm -hmm. and then it was just all was bets emphasizing, are off. What was he trying he was to emphasize? Emphasize his California difference. Because it was labeled? Him. Yes, because they were labeling him, him. So his way of saying, accept me now. Accept me who, how I am because I'm just going to stand out and I'm not going to blend in. Mm -hmm. If I had been the kid moving to Texas, yeah. I would have started dressing the same, listing yeah. the same stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. He, on the other hand, mm -hmm. said, fuck you. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, you better like me the way I am. I'm mm -hmm. going to, I'm, it's, I'm screaming. Okay. And so he wore black and white yeah. and he didn't listen to ZZ Top and mm -hmm. Led Zeppelin and said Echo and the Bunnymen and mm -hmm. all the 4AD records mm -hmm. and that's when he got into the Cocteau Twins and yeah. I mean completely mm -hmm. alternative mm -hmm. music that mm -hmm. uh, he had to listen to an obscure radio program on Sunday nights right. to hear this music and and that was the days people that we used to have to sit by the radio and, and tape it with cassettes mm -hmm. to be able to listen yeah. to it the rest back of the, the week <laughs> back in the day but then there's another okay. there's another identity it's a third the wallflower. Okay. The wallflower tries to find non-identity. Mm -hmm. I understand that one as well because if if I am not a chameleon, I'm I'm not a screamer. I'm a wallflower. Okay. That's I think you can probably at different times, depending on the country you're yeah. in and the culture you're in, yeah. you might 
a TCK could probably easily pick different personas. So the basically the chameleon can become a wallflower or a screamer. I, I believe so. Yeah. I definitely I believe so. And I know that when I was in Guatemala for that year, mm-hmm. I had the worst experience ever. I hated it. I wasn't accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, I was seen as that gringa. Mm-hmm. And um, I was other so terribly. I, I had no friends. And I literally walked around at lunchtime and break time and mm-hmm. I didn't interact. And mm-hmm. I just tried not to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was it was not fun. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't wait to get back to the States. Yeah. And then finally enough, we get back to the States and they throw me into upstate New York, right. which as a kid, I loved my experience in first and second grade there. Mm-hmm. I go back for seventh grade yeah. and I was completely othered as that weird Latin girl that was from California, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that weirdo yeah. chick. And mm-hmm. I went from one fire right mm-hmm. into the next. I'm sure a lot of people that identify with that. And it was, yeah, yeah, it was awful. And it yeah. wasn't New York City. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was upstate New York, which is basically the somebody that I really appreciate recently said, it's basically the deep South. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard, I heard about upstate. Yeah. We also know about the uh, Southern, well, Oregon past Portland too. Oh yeah. You know? Oh gosh. Yeah. 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 Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely. People it's rural America yeah. and that's a different situation than yeah. metropolitan America mm-hmm. um, or suburban. So it says that these different personalities come um, from causes according to Pollock and Van Rieken that um, include the stress. Mm-hmm. Most CCKs, uh, you know, from the multi, uh, the multi-identity, the, the multiplicity of cultures that they experience in their childhood. When they try to repatriate or fit into some other cultures boxes mm-hmm. that people expect them to belong, but then they often are denied mm-hmm. because of race, nationality, yeah. or more traditional ways of defining culture. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely a hundred percent, I completely hold on to that. And, yeah. and, when I talk about this girl that I said was my best friend in high school, she was more the frenemy. Yeah. Uh, when I reflect back on the relationship, okay. she uh, she did a lot of verbal bullying, mm-hmm. and she I don't and honestly mm-hmm. I forgive her for mm-hmm. that, and mm-hmm. I don't think that she realized mm-hmm. what she was doing because yeah. she herself was a not she was a very unhappy depressed person, mm-hmm. and it made me sad. Yeah. Because there was really great sometimes there was really great moments I had friendships with her and she liked that I was different, mm-hmm. but she also wanted to be different. Yeah. She later goes on to go live in France mm-hmm. and marries a Frenchman and she's never come back to the US. Mm-hmm. And she hates the States as far as I know. Right. Last I spoke to her, she's like, I don't ever want to be there. Uh-huh. Um, so I think internally something in her yeah. always felt different and right. she wanted to be away. She didn't know. How to accept she, or express it. She did not express it well. So, you know, we were children. Yeah. You can't hold children accountable mm-hmm. a lot in that mm-hmm. situation when they're still developing. And mm-hmm. and girls in particular are just so mean to each other in mm-hmm. their teenage years. I, I'm just going to go out there. Those female identifying kids, yeah. they are vicious. Vicious little, you know what. <laughs> so I've seen it in, yeah. as a teacher. Yeah. I've experienced it in watching my my kids mm-hmm. grow up. I've experienced it as a female. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's yeah, it's not it's not cool. I don't know why we do it to ourselves, but um, there's a whole nother research on no. that. Yeah, 
the brain, the teenage brain, the teenage brain. And it's a topic. I don't think the teenagers should take drugs because I think their brain is constantly on drugs of some kind of hormone flux. It's developing. It's yeah. yeah. Parts of the brain are not developed yet. Mm-mm. No. Um, yeah, you brought up to. I think I don't think we brought this up in the second episode, Mm-mm. but um, we talked about passing and the sh- yeah the differences of the experiences of passing versus being rejected, and right. so. When you talk about skin color, for example, the darker your skin, mm-hmm. the quicker your rejection is. Right. And and so that seems to be known throughout society as the evil, the bad experience that we all sympathize with, right? Um, but the passing experience is different. It's Completely. a different type of struggle because you, what's more painful is is being and especially being young mm-hmm. being accepted and then later rejected so you yep. put your foot yep. in that door you build the friendship you start to build a bond and then you realize you can't continue because right. they won't accept you right. or they they will judge you they will reject you and we're not taking away we're not saying it's harder mm-hmm. we're saying it's different mm-hmm. and psychologically spiritually it's it's different than being rejected on the first day. Right. And yeah. and and the the thing about that is that those kids that I went to school in with in seventh grade yeah. were some of the same kids I went to school in in first and second grade. Mm-hmm. And I had all these different experiences between third and sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So when I got back, yeah, I was definitely different. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't repatriate to that group. Yeah. And when I got back to California for mm-hmm. eighth grade mm-hmm. with the kids that I'd gone to for third and fourth grade mm-hmm. and some of fifth grade mm-hmm. i had a lesser hard i had a i had a more uh open experience with mm-hmm. them repatriating yeah because there were it and i'm just going to be out with yeah. it because we were in cities yeah because we were in cities more acceptance, and more acceptance there was more yeah. diversity mm-hmm. and so that also has something to do with it too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I want to highlight what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a film, a very short film that Mm -hmm. I just recently watched. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was shortlisted in the 2012 Oscars called uh, The Road Home. Okay. And you can watch it on Mm roadhomefilm.com. It's an amazing movie. It's like 20 20 minutes. And there are 14 language options on the Mm -hmm. DVD if you get that. But you can watch it online, stream it online. My producer, Raul Gandotra. Mm -hmm. And it's about... Uh, about a young man, a British young man, mm-hmm. uh, returning to where his parents considered his home to be okay. and his struggles to find his place. So basically what happens is the f- parents are British mm-hmm. and he's British and mm-hmm. they put him in a school called the Woodstock School mm-hmm. in the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. And he's there with all of these international children mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boarding school. Okay. Okay. So, you know, that just in itself being sent away mm-hmm. is very, very difficult. Sure. There's many European mm-hmm. people that think boarding school is the way mm-hmm. for to educate your children right. and that there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And most Americans think, oh my God, you're sending your kid away. You must not love them. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to make sure that people understand boarding school is not a negative experience for every student. But in this particular situation, it, it talks a little bit about that, but it mostly focuses on the fact that the first scene, he's standing there in his British prep clothes yeah. and with white makeup all over his face. Looks like maybe he's dipped his face in flour. Hmm. 
and they're all screaming at him, Indian, 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 in Hindu. Okay. Uh, in Hindu, in Hindi. Okay. <laughs> screaming at him, Indian, 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 and he runs away. Okay. And he says, take, and he doesn't speak Hindi. Uh-huh. And the cab drivers are speaking to him in Hindi, uh-huh. and they're looking at him, you know, and, and um, he's washed his face, and he, you know, the next morning he takes yeah. off, and he's very wealthy. He's got a buttload of rupees in his hand. Okay. And uh, the guy's like looking at him like he wants to take advantage of this kid and he's like wrestling, the taxi driver's wrestling with his conscience. Should I do this? Should I not do this? Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he, the kid's like, I just take me to the airport. I want to go back to Britain. Okay. He's just gets ticked off at the cab driver. He gets out of the cab. He's walking down. The cab driver is trying to be uh, mindful of him. He's following him behind mm-hmm. because he's worried about this kid. Yeah. That he's up in the Himalayas and he's trying to get to New Delhi, which is, you know, a very long way yeah. away. And he ends up at this little, small, little uh, restaurant. And he's going up to the guy saying, I want an orange juice in, in English. Mm-hmm. And the guy's looking at him, speaking to him in Hindi. And, you know, the subtitles are, why aren't you speaking Hindi? Why are you not talking to me in a language? And the mm-hmm. cab driver's like, because he doesn't speak it. So he gets the orange juice. He sits down and then there's a woman next to him where most of us would say cultural appropriation. She's dressed completely in Indian wardrobes, mm-hmm. including um, face jewelry and everything. Mm-hmm. But she's obviously Anglo. She's obviously not Indian, right? Okay. And she's speaking to him with a French accent in English. Mm-hmm. But she's from there because mm-hmm. her mother moved there mm-hmm. when she was an infant. Okay. So, But she's Indian. She identifies as Indian inside. Mm-hmm. And so what it gets to is the fact that this boy looks Indian from the outside, but identifies as white British on the inside. And then the, cl- the clutch of this is that these two English people, these two elderly English people are trying to figure out how to get to see the Him- Himalayas. And they walk up to him mm-hmm. and start speaking to him in their broken Hindi. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're having a conversation in English saying, oh, well, Mm-hmm. And speaking him slowly, how do I get to the mountains mm-hmm. or something? And 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 the husband's like, well, that's not going to, speaking to him in English, how is that going to help anything? Mm-hmm. And then he turns and he just looks at him. He's like, if you want to see the Himalayas, it's over there. And the guy, there's just shock on his mm-hmm. face. You know, he felt like an idiot. Yeah. He's like, oh, uh, thank you. And they just walk off. Mm-hmm. And that's when he realized, I guess I am Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, and to some degree, that's yeah. part of his identity. So he goes back to the school. He, okay. you know, the cab driver takes him back uh, against his will. He falls asleep in the cab. So the cab driver's like, "No, I got to take him back. I can't just take him to Delhi. I can't do this. Yeah. I have to take him back and be responsible," because yeah. he had known from his his boss that they were looking for him. Mm-hmm. So he takes him back, and he goes to the school. And the group of kids that were yelling at him before, they're like, "So are you finally ready to admit you're Indian? Are you finally ready to admit?" You're going to join us here. And there was like, it looked like uh, some other European Anglo kid. Uh, there was an Asian kid, several Asian kids, uh, several mixed East Asian kids, a mm-hmm. uh, variety of children standing there in front of him. Yeah. And then he, he says, you know what? You see what you want to see. Mm-hmm. And then he walks away. Mm-hmm. And then there was this little Japanese girl that walks up to him and mm-hmm. holds his hand. And, and then they like, he smiles at her and like, mm-hmm. you know, it, you, you leave the film, like knowing he's going to be okay. Yeah. Or he's going to make it okay. Mm-hmm. He's going to make his own way. Yeah. But I cried. 
Yeah. I cried so I was like, really? oh my God, yeah. because I totally understood it. Yeah. I understood my whole life, not exactly. understanding. I right. always talk about this, that mm-hmm. I never understood that people looked at me and saw a Latina because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I didn't feel Latina. I yeah. wasn't raised to be Latina. Right. I'm like, I'm just an American mm-hmm. kid. I'm just, you know, like everybody else, red, mm-hmm. white, and blue. And mm-hmm. I didn't think of myself as ethnic. Yeah. And yeah. so I had that same struggle mm-hmm. and I had to finally embrace it to understand yeah. mm-hmm. that's just part of who I am and that there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But um, so this gets mm-hmm. to the next part of the information, which is another challenge for mm-hmm. CCKs is that they may be changing boxes as their mobility takes them from one cultural community or environment to another. Changing boxes? Yes. Listen to this. Okay. Depending on their circumstances, some CCKs never know what it is to live in either the foreigner mm-hmm. or mirror boxes where identities are relatively clear, but may always be in one of the more ambiguous boxes of hidden immigrant or adopted. The reality of the challenges m- many CCKs face, uh, you know, in, in this part of their life mm-hmm. is that they have to acknowledge the reality that this world of multiple cultures that they have experienced as children is a valid place of belonging, mm-hmm. even if not rooted in one geographical place or ethnicity and need to stop pathologizing. <laughs> oh my God. Uh-huh. I can't say that word. Pathologizing. That's a word. That's a word. Pathologiz. No, I'm saying it wrong. Pathologizing. Well, stop being pathological. Let's put it that way. The issues, but begin to perhaps define new norms. Mm -hmm. So instead of constantly Mm -hmm. having to explain Mm -hmm. and tell our stories Mm -hmm. of why we are the way we are, Mm -hmm. accept that we have new norms. Yeah. Don't explain. Right. Have people see you. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. If they want to look at me and see that I'm Latina, mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. They want to look at me and see that I'm whatever they think they see, fine. My husband happens to think I look more German mm-hmm. than I look anything else because when we went to Germany, he's like, oh my God, they all look like you over here. Mm-hmm. And for because I've never like fit yeah. in anywhere. Yeah. But he says that's the most he's ever seen me look like people from Germany, which is hilarious yeah. because yeah, I am significantly German on my father's side, but mm-hmm. I never identified as German. I never like yeah. had any of that like uh, need as a kid mm-hmm. to be like, oh yeah, I, I'm German apparently, blah, blah, blah. Um, but mm-hmm. I look in the mirror now and I definitely see Latina. Mm-hmm. Like I am okay with it. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't shame me. It doesn't make me sad. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, and I... I now understand as this third culture kid yeah. that people are going to see me however they need to see me. Mm-hmm. When I go to Guatemala, they see me as an American. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in Costa Rica, they saw me as some international kid. Yeah. When I was in California, mm-hmm. oftentimes Latinos would just walk up and start talking to me in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's okay. Like yeah. it's okay. And I think when you talked about feeling settled in mm-hmm. Spain, yeah. because I have the same exact feelings about spain okay i've never felt more at home Mm -hmm. ever than here more accepted than here it's amazing california Mm -hmm. is the only other place when i lived in los angeles Mm -hmm. where i felt Mm -hmm. where i belonged okay in terms of the way people look right right but i was still always not comfortable in the culture of the United States. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 
and similar experience right so here in spain culturally Mm -hmm. and politically Mm -hmm. i feel much more at home i feel more belonging to this group of people here from those perspectives Mm -hmm. from their worldviews their uh, values of valuing people and Mm -hmm. not shooting everyone with guns i'm sorry i'm just gonna (laughs) go there Mm -hmm. um and i really feel like there's a piece here that I cannot get in the United yeah. States. But I also know that mm-hmm. when people look at me, mm-hmm. unless they hear me speak Spanish mm-hmm. and hear my accent in mm-hmm. Spanish, they don't assume mm-hmm. that I'm not from here, mm-hmm. but, or they assume maybe she's just a European mm-hmm. from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. They don't look at me, but they, what they do assume initially, once they hear me, is they think I'm British okay. because they don't, they don't, they can't tell the difference between right. American and yeah. British mm-hmm. accents. Which is another episode. Yeah. Our deep dive on accents. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a lot of topics right yeah. there. There's a but, lot. Um, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Come at me with what you think. I know. I just had a brain fart because <laughs> I had so much to say and then it all just left in my brain. No, don't leave but, your brain. Don't leave. But I have a similar feeling about California. You would think yeah. that's the best place for me to be. Right. There's something culturally that I don't feel fully accepted by Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think california with all of its um image yeah and its um values that are different from other states Mm -hmm. um there's still a foundation of the overall mainstream society yeah underneath Mm -hmm. and it's a good question to ask like why do i feel more settled in Spain versus California, because right. California is like the dreamland for everybody. Everybody, yeah. Even in Spain, is like, why would you leave? Right, right. Like, we get that all the time. In Madrid, beautiful city. Why mm-hmm. would you live here? Mm-hmm. They say that. Why would you live here? I know it's amazing. Um, you're right. There's something culturally or just spiritually that mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. settled. Maybe not so much belong. It's not like everybody embraced me and say welcome. Oh like, yeah, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. But there's a sense of settled feeling settled you know Mm -hmm. and that's just so deep possibly that i can't explain it yet right there's going to be another episode i'll give a tiny hint that was going to delve into that a little bit all right um but here is how i managed to feel very settled here and and i'm talking about forming my community because Mm -hmm. it's really about community it is it's about community for me especially my kids are uh, grown up and they're they all found their own way mm-hmm. and um you guys are here which is amazing but i also wanted to expand my community mm-hmm. and feel like madrid and spain is a place where i'm going to live forever and yep. to to have that feeling i wanted to see how easy it is to build a community here and what i have done may be very tactical and mm-hmm. strategic mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. because over the years of of practicing how to make friends, how to, how to uh, fit in, how to adapt, culminated into my experience here. And what I have done is basically made contact and, and, and uh, initiated friendships with everybody. But the ones who stayed are basically other TCKs. 
Right. Basically, people who understand me. Because you have a basketball group that is mm-hmm. a lot of TCKs. Basketball in general attracts TCKs here because it's not the biggest sport. So you tend to get international people. You tend to get people who don't follow the mainstream because basketball mm-hmm. is not mainstream, especially mm-hmm. in Madrid. And um, it's easier to make friends there because they all share some sort of lack of belonging right. or lack of mainstream. But even beyond that, I intentionally created um, my group around me, mm-hmm. not so much being exclusive. Mm. Now, I'm not saying you can't belong or, you know, but basically saying I'm creating a lot of sh- friendships and the ones that stay, I know exactly why they're staying. And right. I cultivate those. Right. The ones who are kind of shaky, I don't cultivate them. But they kind of just leave on their own. They just kind of die on their own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, so it's like self, it's not selective friendships. It's just more like I'm conscious about whose friendship to cultivate that are healthy. Right. And who's right. to let go that don't have much of a future, that don't mm-hmm. have um, that spirit. And that's something that I struggled with my whole life because I wanted to keep my core friends Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I had to learn that some of them were never my friends and that it was okay to let them go Mm -hmm. because my grief was very founded in loss. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I would go to extremes where I would contact everybody Mm -hmm. I used to know and try to rekindle Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. and like, hey guys, I'm back. Yeah. Uh, what did I miss? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not that simple. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I shouldn't want that mm-hmm. in my own personal judgment. Mm-hmm. Every child wants to be accepted. Every adult wants to be accepted. But I think to my detriment, I wanted to be accepted so desperately mm-hmm. that I think it, for the rooted cultured kids, yes. it came across as wanting to be sp- something else Mm -hmm. it came across Mm -hmm. as being fake Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i bet we get a lot of tck's i bet get that label yeah Yeah. because they're desperately trying Mm -hmm. to fit in Mm -hmm. and not be marginalized because they want to blend because it's painful not it's painful to stand out unless you can be that screamer (laughs) and salute those screamers for being so strong Mm -hmm. but not to say that they don't have their own grief and and loss either But they deal with it differently. And and I, you know, we're more empathetic to Mm -hmm. culture, right? Mm -hmm. So we expect Mm -hmm. others to be empathetic to us, Mm -hmm. which then leads us to getting our our feelings hurt a lot when it's not returned. And we have to think of it now as, look, those children didn't have our experiences. Mm -hmm. But while we're going through that, there's no one to guide us there. Right. So there's no... There was no way for us to understand. They weren't intentionally trying yeah. to be cruel, mm-hmm. but they didn't have a reason to yeah. be empathetic. Yeah. I mean, because most teenagers aren't. <laughs> if you're, so, you know, I just had this little out of body moment. If you're one of, if one of our listeners right now right. is a parent to a t- eight, nine, 10 year old yeah. child that's yeah. TCK, mm-hmm. imagine this whole Pandora's box we just opened. To I that hope parent. so. I, you know this, I mean? that, that's the reason we do this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is a podcast about about culture, right? Yeah. This is not just about language, mm-hmm. but we weave everything in that we do. And again, you know, this is our this is not our mm-hmm. day job, mm-hmm. but this is a passion that we have mm-hmm. for an extension of what right. we do in our careers yeah. at Barbier International. And 
I really, really hold on to our experiences as people doing this work because of that. If we can reach the one mm -hmm. out of however many that need to hear this, mm -hmm. that we can share with them mm -hmm. what we've learned. Yeah. Um, I think for me, that's just so gratifying because mm -hmm. I wished I had had this guidebook or this mm -hmm. roadmap. And mm -hmm. I know that if I had at least learned about this earlier in my life, mm -hmm. I think a lot of things might've been a little bit less uh, difficult for me sure. because I still, and, and again, part three is going to mm -hmm. be a, <laughs> ATC case, mm -hmm. um, but identity, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that we, we understand our identities. And I, I did some further digging since last, um, this is the last part one that we recorded this. And I found with, uh, David Pollack, again, co-author okay. of the TCK book, mm -hmm that there were some other labels mm -hmm. and that under the traditional third culture kids mm -hmm. are the foreign service kids, mm -hmm. corporate brats, mm -hmm. missionary kids, mm -hmm. military brats. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the other international people. Mm -hmm. So I am there. Mm -hmm. Right. But then there's the bi multicultural children. Mm -hmm. Then there's the mixed heritage children. Mm -hmm. Then there's the domestic TCKs. Mm -hmm. We talked about the international adoptees children of refugees, children of immigrants. But I like that they've added this mm -hmm. into educational CCKs. TCKs? No. Educational CCKs, okay. cross-cultural kids, educational cross-cultural kids. So I feel like my kids kind of fall in that window too mm -hmm. because we moved to go teach in North Carolina right. for the education background of things. And we also, and they were cross-cultural because mm -hmm. of the results of that. Mm -hmm. right because we were in there to teach right. and and we weren't doing missionary work we were mm -hmm. teaching mm -hmm. just like if you did peace corps mm -hmm. teaching then there's also the children of borderlanders okay and i thought that was fascinating and think about people that are on borders mm -hmm. um in europe it's much easier to to figure that out because everybody's mm -hmm. right on a border it seems mm -hmm. like if you're living on the peripheral mm -hmm. but if you're a border kid mm -hmm. Um, in Canada, US, yeah. like if you're living up in Bellingham, mm -hmm. you're going to have some Canadian influence in what okay. you're doing, or you have kids down in, uh, um, in Baja, mm -hmm. you know, you're in San Diego right. and, and that influence of Mexico mm -hmm. and US, mm -hmm. um, or even kids out in, um, uh, what's it called? Mexicali mm -hmm. that's on the border up there in Nevada. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's the, it's just all the little borders. Yeah. You think of all the borders around. Okay. So that's, that's going to be something that are that's going to be an influence mm -hmm. and i'm just you know simple simplifying mm -hmm. it okay but then there's also something else that they touched on in this map that i really liked mm -hmm. and we haven't talked about okay and this is the last part of part two okay that i want to focus on the children and minorities both you and me mm -hmm. okay there are privileged mm -hmm. children and minorities mm -hmm. And then there's marginalized. Mm -hmm. I believe in my mind, mm -hmm. you were part of the privileged mm -hmm. children and minorities. And I was part of the marginalized mm -hmm. because of where our mothers came from. Mm -hmm. And I know you talk about your father's background mm -hmm. and I want to be sensitive to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was not white passing. No. Um, but that never seemed to be in California where you were at mm -hmm. an issue for you. Mm -hmm. From everything I know about you, correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, but mm -hmm. it never seemed to be an issue for you mm -hmm. because you were more, you weren't white passing, but mm -hmm. you were more 
ethnically ethnic passing ethnic in passing in California. Yeah. In another state, it would have been different. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, we don't have as far as economically. Right. We were very middle class. Yep. And my mother came from a country. You know, she was born in war torn Japan mm -hmm. with just in shambles. Mm -hmm. um, but with a lot of restrictions for women and for various reasons she came, but a lot of it is economic opportunity. Uh, it wasn't um, refugee status. It wasn't anything like that. But I don't absolutely do not uh, claim to have any feeling or, or identity as being marginalized as in terms of economics, because we had, I had a very opportunity College was cheap back then, you know, and we were able to pay like cash. We, we didn't, I didn't need to get a loan. It was a lot cheaper, but we didn't need to get, some people had to get a loan back then, but we didn't. Um, my parents made enough money. And you bring up something because I see a lot more, more minorities that are privileged now than I did before. And it's become more and more of a topic that, that is being talked about. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of sensitivity because mm -hmm. people, the stereotype is that if you're a minority, you're marginalized, and right. so if you're privileged, then you're not a real minority. Exactly, you know? and that's a really sensitive topic. Mm -hmm. But it, and it, I don't, I would say, you know, I don't read every single journal and watch every interview, but I would say, because of that sensitivity, mm -hmm. it might not be talked about enough. I agree. Yeah. I agree because the other side of that is mm -hmm. just because my mother did come from Guatemala yeah. and she was a single mom because, mm -hmm. you know, my parents got divorced mm -hmm. and my mom had to make a living for us. Mm -hmm. I, it was already automatically assumed because mm -hmm. she was a single mother from a Latin American country mm -hmm. that we were like dirt poor. Yeah. And, and granted she struggled, but we were never poor. Okay. We were never rich, but yeah. we were upper, upper poor, low middle class. Right. Um, but I was able to do everything I, mm -hmm. my friends could do in mm -hmm. school. I mean, mm -hmm. I couldn't do it as in the frequency mm -hmm. as them. I didn't okay. get to go shopping at record albums and mm -hmm. things like that, like mm -hmm. all my other kids, but I got to go to the mm -hmm. movies a lot mm -hmm. and I got to join and participate in all the groups at school. I was mm -hmm. never on free lunch, okay. you know, so I, I definitely didn't fit. And that was mm -hmm. the other part. Okay. I didn't fit. With yeah. the minorities who were. Which, yes, it's a topic. It's, it's, a, a, it's topic. a topic. We don't fit anywhere. We don't fit. Right. 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 So so the, it was like, okay, so so now that I'm back mm -hmm. and there's lots of people with money yeah. around me yeah. that I definitely did not fit in with, mm -hmm. but I definitely didn't fit in also with the free lunch group. God yeah. love them, but I wasn't that type of Latina yeah. either. Yeah. Like my parents weren't immigrant farm mm -hmm. workers, which mm -hmm. is, you know, what people think of. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, many people on free lunch for many reasons, but my mother made enough money that mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't have to be, yeah. she would have probably filed for paperwork if I, if she mm -hmm. could, mm -hmm. but, um, she didn't, maybe she, she didn't want you to have the stigma. I think so. Mm -hmm. My mom also, uh, is a very hardcore Republican mm -hmm. and I think it would have killed her mm -hmm. to have to have filed that paperwork. Yeah. She yeah. just would have felt like that she was, was her motivation. Maybe. I believe so. Mm -hmm. My mother was very motivated by politics. She mm -hmm. came into the country as a Democrat because she wanted democracy mm -hmm. and realized that for her politically, that meant being a Republican once she understood the words because she yeah. didn't want to be a Republican because she thought of Republic and yeah. she was leaving Republics. Right. And so right. that's also a common thing going into the United States. Yeah. I, on the other hand, and you know, mm -hmm. bedwetting liberal, mm -hmm. uh, which also makes it interesting. 
uh, how that that it has yeah. changed for me. But but what I do believe to be true is the fact that all minority children of minority and their their experience being mm -hmm. TCKs mm -hmm. is also so many subcategories within. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to also talk about this. My children are TCKs of privilege. Mm -hmm. So my children had a very middle to upper middle class upbringing. Mm -hmm. We started off poor mm -hmm. and we made our way up mm -hmm. uh, because my husband and I, you know, we went back to school. And mm -hmm. so we had to, we didn't, we just went to school on grants and loans. Mm -hmm. We became teachers. Mm -hmm. We had a very good middle class uh, situation where we lived in a, in a community that our money went much further when we were in the South. Mm -hmm. So that's where we started traveling internationally. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were able to, to expose our children to more things. And we started traveling more locally international mm -hmm. or not international, but more interstate. Right. And then later we made a lot more money. Um, and so from that situation, you know, our, our children never had to worry about it, but we also, uh, for different reasons, you know, we we told our kids you know, we will assist you to a certain point, mm -hmm. and then we expect you to be on your feet. Mm -hmm. Because what we've seen on both sides of the coin, we've seen kids completely having to pay for everything. Because mm -hmm. my husband's parents also got divorced in high school, mm -hmm. and so he had to pay for a lot of his things when his mother went back to school to become a nurse. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the other side is that we've seen kids that had just money thrown at them by their parents, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I, I hate to use the word spoiled mm -hmm. or entitled, but there was no self-reliance right. and we wanted our children. We were happy to get, and we still do. We give our kids money when they need it, mm -hmm. but we also wanted them to be self-reliant because the day we leave as parents mm -hmm. from this earth, yeah. they need to be able to stand on their own two feet. And I'm proud to say that both my children mm -hmm. have made their own way and, and they survive without mm -hmm. their parents. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they can do whatever they want to do in the mm -hmm. world. And that's not necessarily because of us, mm -hmm. but that's because they saw the smart tactic in yeah. that of being self-reliant. Exactly. They, they believed in the message that mm -hmm. they were being taught from their parents because they had to do trial and error to figure if that was true. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that as cross-cultural kids, mm -hmm. I think that they understood also the value in being different later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they've embraced it. I know, I know in particular, my son, he's, uh, now dating again. Okay. Um, his divorce was more recent right? and he is dating a variety of women mm -hmm. and he is excited mm -hmm. in being in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. That's very, very, uh, diverse yeah. in all mm -hmm. backgrounds. Right? right. I mean, you were in that dating pool for a mm -hmm. while, you, you know, there and, was. and he's so happy. He'll tell me, Oh, I dated this beautiful girl from Sweden. Then I'm with this Vietnamese woman and, mm -hmm. you know, and this Latina and mm -hmm. this is this black girl. And, and I'm like, this is great. Like he's yeah. just embracing it. Yeah. And he's like, and I'm not necessarily like, I'm just letting it come to me. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And mm -hmm. I love that he's doing, and his previous, his wife was mm -hmm. this beautiful mixed Asian mm -hmm. heritage girl who had Latina mm -hmm. and European blood mm -hmm. and half uh, Chinese, mm -hmm. beautiful girl that, you know, he's always been attracted to, you know, different people. And like yeah. I said, my, my daughter's ex-husband, he's uh, German American and, and he had a, a diverse background as well. Uh, but she is definitely now dating somebody much more diverse mm -hmm. with a definitely uh, bigger ethnic background. 
um, from Guatemala, like I said, and um, and they are actually doing the 23andMe. He's going to find out soon mm -hmm. his background because we all think that's fun. Mm -hmm. We like to find out, oh, what, what are you? Like, I always like to go, oh, look at that. I got 1%, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Right. So for me, it's like when you go traveling and you go to the the national parks in the United States and you mm -hmm. collect your badges, mm -hmm. the the you know, because you can do that, right? You right. go in, you get your stamps, you can get mm -hmm. the passport, you can get your badges. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like, yeah, I have that badge. I have that badge. I have that badge. This mm -hmm. is great. I want to have every single country if possible within yeah. my bloodline because yeah. I just find that to be brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, and there's nothing wrong with being one race and being rooted and being, you know, one culture. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But that has been the mainstream of for so long. Mm -hmm. It's been promoted as what is perfect and what is normal. Yeah that there was Hollywood. never enough room yeah. on the stage mm -hmm. for anyone else to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. It's, um, we'll see how it changes because I see that the, our numbers growing as far as biracial, by ethnic, you know, multicultural, all of that, all right. of that. We're just gonna grow exponentially. And I wanna, I am curious to see how media, the institutions, this power structure deal with that, so. That brings us to the end of part two. Yeah, right. And two parts. Yeah, two parts. And uh, part three mm -hmm. is going to be the conclusion right. of TCKs, which will be coming soon. Fantastic. Um, I'm not going to discuss more about that because Richard, again, wants to not know anything to follow the format of our mm -hmm. show. And let's just say I really value you as my co-host because we can have these honest conversations. Mm -hmm. We do not claim, to, and I'm going to do your disclaimer. You did a disclaimer <laughs> recently. I'm going to do a disclaimer. We are, neither of us are therapists. Neither of us have uh, gone to school to become psychologists. But what we are, are uh, cultural trainers and language trainers mm -hmm. by profession who have seen and witnessed things in our career and experienced things in our personal lives that we've drawn conclusions to. Mm -hmm. And we do our research and try to present the best picture. This is just our opinions on it. And we're being um, authentic. And, and we're being our authentic, authentic sense. Yes, mm -hmm. we are. This is uh, organic uh, speaking over here. Mm -hmm. But um, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, next episode here, part two, listeners. And please tune in for part three that will be coming out shortly, like I said. And this has been Translate, Translate this. this with Richard and Melissa. And we will see you next time. Have fun, everybody.